So the 10-10-80 plan is what we're talking about um, all month long. And if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with us. Uh, if, you're, if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can find the event uh, that we're having this morning. And it has our sermon notes, and you can follow along and keep notes there. But we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 9. We're going to be talking about the first aspect of that 10-10-80 plan, the first 10, and what that's, what that's all about. And we're going to read this passage together. Once you find your place there, is everybody ready? Hello? We're going to do interactive from this point forward. Is that all right? Is everybody ready? All right, let's do it. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having a sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You know, have you ever been around uh, groups of people that just seem to always be okay uh, and never really have any money struggles and you kind of wonder, you know, what's, what's going on with them? How come they really never have any serious money problems and, and what's, what's going on in their life? Well, one of the things I want to begin by telling you um, this morning is it does not take all of their income, is it one of the discoveries that they've found, to live a fulfilled life. People who, who are not struggling in the financial area often have discovered this truth and are living by it. They have learned that it does not take all of their income to live a fulfilled life. In fact, I know this is going to sound a little radical to you this morning, but many of these same people that are, that are living this fulfilled life because they know that it doesn't require all of their income to live a fulfilled life, also believe that it requires, living a fulfilled life requires that they give away some of their income. That's even more staggering, isn't it? It's not only do they not live off of all 100% of what comes into their, their, their uh, bank account, but they have also learned that having a fulfilled life requires that they give away some of their income on a regular basis. Now, sometimes even more amazingly, then these households are practicing living off of 80% of their income and not 100% of their income. They have learned to live within a, a, a fraction of their income. They don't have to have all 100%. They can live on 80% of their income and find that their life is fulfilled. I wanted to share with you as we launch into this today, a few ugly facts first. Here they are. America as a whole owes. And uh, there, there's some pretty ugly things here. More than 1.2 trillion in educational debt. That's a lot of money. I saw someone uh, put up this past week uh, on social media. They said the, that the government would be happy to loan you $200,000 for an education, but not $20,000 for a um, business loan. 
Hello? <laughs> Something wrong with that, right? $1.2 trillion in educational debt. The average student loan hovering just around $29,000. Some of you would say, I wish it was $29,000, right? You're, you're not in the average. You're the above average. The average car loan has hit an all-time high at more than uh, $30,000 for a car loan, and that means that they've had to do some amazing things. When Michelle and I uh, were younger, they, they, you, you could only get a, about a three-year car loan on a, on a new car. That was it. It was as far as you could go. Well, they've created some wonderful things now where you can go five, six, seven, as far as you want to go. You talk payments, they talk years, and you get to buy the car and take it home, right? 30000 that kicks the average monthly payment past the 500 mark. That, that's amazing to me at the age that I'm at. You know, I could never have imagined having a car payment above 500 And some people have two of those. And that would have been when I was, uh, you know, when I was, Michelle and I were young married, that would have been two house payments. Our first house payment was $550 a month. I could add two houses for that. Average credit card balance is $15,000. Somebody's saying you wish. <laughs> Staggering credit card debt, $15,000 is average for most American households. 50% of Americans have less than one month of their income saved for a rainy day. That frightens me because how many of you know it rains? <laughs> it rains and sometimes it pours. And um, we have just gone through two uh, seasons. God has always taken care of us and blessed us, but we've gone through two seasons where Michelle has lost her job. And her income was important to our household and, and uh, she lost her job and then and took another one and, and went uh, a year and a half and that company closed and she lost her job. and so. Uh, we've come, just come through two of those. She just got reemployed. Everybody say, yay. yay. <laughs> and we're so grateful. But if we weren't ready for the rainy day, uh, those two things would have sunk us. And they happen all the time to everyone. Medical bills, all kinds of rainy days happen. 50% of Americans have less than one month income saved for a rainy day. And they're are uh, more than 1.4 billion open credit cards in the United States. That's amazing. We have, as a nation, a debt problem. Nearly half of Americans are not saving any of their money, not a red cent. 50% of Americans have less than one month income, but many of them are not saving money at all, not even a red cent, not saving any income at all, not preparing at all for uh, any kind of difficulty, any kind of challenges that might come along their way. Only two, one of, one of the major statistics showed that only two in 10 people use this six letter word, budget. <laughs> only two in 10 people are actually have a budget that they could bring me into their house and show me where every penny of their money is going and what's happening to it. Most people, the 80% are living like, I have no idea. I had $50 at the beginning of the week. I went to Starbucks. I went to, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where it went. And so most people are living this way. 
And during this Thanksgiving season, it makes it even more important, I think, for us to understand what I think the Bible teaches us clearly is a 10-10-80 plan. That 10-10-80 plan is the first stage of what we're going to talk about today, which is beginning with God. What belongs to God, give to God. The second part of it is the 10% that you put away for savings. And 80% is how we learn to live our life. It changes the way you live when you learn to live off of 80% of your income radically and in, in joyfully. Because it takes a lot of pressure off when difficult seasons happen, like Michelle losing her job or whatever else might happen in our household. It takes a lot of that kind of pressure right off of us. The passage we opened up with says, He who sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. And, and who sows bountifully also reaps bountifully. And so there are some key words here that I think are important for us to understand in this first 10%. The word sparingly, the word grudgingly, the word necessity, and these three words, God is able. What we're going to talk about today is all about learning how to trust in God and live in, inside blessing and live inside the blessings that God has for our life. God is the source of everything. And as a result of that, we understand from Scripture that He owns it all. But the second thing we come to understand is that we are just managers. We are managers of what comes into our hands. Now, I get to see um, two sides of life pretty regularly as a pastor. I get to see the birth, the excitement, you know. I, I get to dedicate babies and and uh, I'm usually the first one to the hospital, you know, after mom and dad have been there and everything to visit uh, the family and, and see the new baby and the new life. And then I also uh, am, am among the, the one who gets to say goodbye. I, I do. I've done a lot of funerals over my lifetime and uh, I, we've seen, you know, a, a lot of people that were uh, a part of our congregation, precious people we've loved that have gone on to be with the Lord. And it's, it's uh, sad in the sense that we're going to miss them, but it's joyful to know that they're waiting for us in, in heaven. They're in a new home. They're in a place with God. And, and it's, it's a time also for rejoicing for those of us who are Christians. But I've been on both sides of that. And what I've seen is that when you're born, you have nothing. And when you die, you have nothing either. You, you don't get anything um, to when you come into life. I mean, you're going you're gonna to inherit the trappings of whatever your parents have. Uh, but when you, get, when you leave here, we, we just, there's no U-Hauls down at the funeral home. I've never had, it's like, okay, you know, uh, he wanted to take uh, his safe with him. So we're going to put the safe in there uh, along with his, no, it doesn't happen. They, we, we leave everything behind. And so since God knows all about that and he has created us eternal and he knows that we're just, ha we have these things for a short time, he hasn't made us owners of them. He's made us stewards of them. We are managers of them. That word steward means manager. We are managers of the things that God has given to us. Everything that we have, everything that we are represent a gift that God has entrusted us with. My life is not my own. It is a gift that has been entrusted to me by God. I don't really need to worry about uh, a lot of things that are going on. I just need to be obedient. It doesn't mean that I can't, I don't need to work hard uh, in the career field or the things that God has done for me, but I can trust God 
God, that I can relax and enjoy the blessings of God, the food God provides for me, the, the, the shelter that God provides me. Every job that we ever have is, is just a, a provision that comes from the throne of God, right? It's just a, that job right now is just a source. Tomorrow you might work somewhere else. It's another source that God has provided to bless your life and to take care of you. But these things are not uh, our providers, right? Dell doesn't provide my living or, you know, uh, Grace Place Church doesn't provide my living or uh, any other place that you can name. H-E-B doesn't provide your living. Okay, uh, if you work for them, uh, they don't provide your living. God provides it. God brings it. He uses that source, but God is the ultimate provider and he's the one that takes care of us. And we know that, that God is our provider and that he has set down a standard for us to live by in, in order to, to walk in relationship with him. And the way God set it up for us is he said we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to us. If you will put me first, if you will seek me first, if you'll think about me first when you're living your life out loud, then I am going to take care of you and I will add the things you need. Whatever you feel like you're minus, I'm going to take care of and fill in because I am your provider. I'm going to take care of you. But the key is you need to seek my kingdom first. You need to put me first. We need to recognize that we all uh, have a need to put God first as we trust him for all of our needs. We don't want to have those 911 calls to God that we're all worried and concerned, you know, uh, because we know that we haven't really been living faithful in the sense of, of putting him first. But now we need Santa Claus to visit. God, can you please come and bring a blessing? We want to live our lives in a way that says, God, I trust you today, even when I can't see where the provision is, because you always provide and take care of me. I trust you every single day of my life. Every moment, I trust you with my life. So the first step for us is the 10% that belongs to God. Giving God what belongs to Him. That word tithe that's used in Scripture, we'll read about again in just a moment, is, the, is a word that just means 10%. Take that 10%, that, that first off the top, and give to God. He is the one who's taking care of you. He's the one that's providing for you. He's the one that's blessing your life. The first 10% of our income goes to God since God is, uh, it's all his money anyway, and we're just the managers of it. And we're demonstrating in this that we are trusting him and believing him to take care of it. You would be amazed at the blessings that God has poured into our lives as we have practiced this over a lifetime. And I can tell you, we've never been in a place where we've had serious credit card debt or other kinds of things because early in our lives, our parents instilled in us the practice of putting God first, of having savings, and learning to live off of only 80% for our life. I can tell you right now, if we have been living off of 100%, these last two seasons of our lives, we would have been bankrupt. It would have been so challenging for us to get through those seasons without a, 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 a big piece of the income coming in that takes care of what goes on in our household. 
But God is our provider. He's always taking care of us. And as we have trusted him and believed him, he's always been faithful. Second Corinthians, we read a moment ago, 9 and 27. Each of you should give as you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under uh, compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I want to say this to you in all honesty. If God is dealing with your heart about what we're talking about today and you're saying, you know, you're going to go home and have this conversation. Honey, you know, we really haven't. Um, been doing what I think we need to be doing in terms of giving, then I, I don't want you to do it out of any kind of compulsion. I want you to do it like Michelle and I do. We're excited to run to the tree and put the leaf on, right? I mean, it is a joy to give. And that's what God wants too. He wants a cheerful giver. So if you're struggling with it, start small and build up. Don't start big and get angry, right? <laughs> okay? And blame the pastor and everybody else, okay? Start small and build up. Because God wants a cheerful giver, right? And, and we rejoice in being able to give. It's a blessing. We love giving. It's, it's, it's one of the, the great, great opportunities that God has given in our life. And as Kristen was talking about, you know, it just breaks your heart, man, to stand around where people are in need. And you don't even realize how bountiful you have it until you're standing in the presence of someone like that. And you take the sweater off your back or the coat off your back and you hand it off to someone. And, and it is such a joy. You want to just go down to Burlington Coat Factory and buy a whole bunch more and just run down there and give them away. You know, it's, it's a great, great life to be a cheerful giver. It's a horrible life to be an ugly giver, right? So if God is dealing with you, I want to encourage you to put it into practice Slowly, if it's going to be, if it's going to cause some disruption, right? Because God wants you to be cheerful about it. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23, the tithe or the tenth of your grain and of your new wine and your oil, your firstborn, your, your herds, your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. There is real, real substance behind why God is asking us to give 10%. God who owns everything, right? God who created everything is not broke, all right? He, he, he doesn't need us to dig through the couches so that he can get through next week, right? And pull out the coins and the quarters. God needs us to learn through this process to trust him, yeah. to believe in him, yeah. to call on him. And to see him meet our many needs. Stewardship really is much more than just the, the financial giving. Stewardship is the gift of our time. Some people would rather give money than give their time. Kristen's involved in, in not only giving her money, but she's giving her time. She, she said to you this morning, it's hard sometimes. Some days it's hard to get up and go down there, drive all the way down there. No, I may be the only person or me and mom and, and two other people to take care of a big ministry like this. It's difficult to give your time. There's probably times that if she had it, she would rather just say, you know what? Let me just send them a check. <laughs> I'll just write them a check and... So stewardship is the gift of our time. It's the gift of our talent, our skill sets, our abilities, and the gift of our treasure, right? And, and God is asking for us to tithe each one of those. Tithe your time, tithe your talent, and tithe your treasure to the Lord, trusting in Him, believing in Him. He's going to take care of you. 
Tithing teaches us to rely on God. It is, it is fundamental to our relationship. It, we struggle in that relationship when we're not functioning in tithing because we, we are not truly, really trusting God, right? We're not putting all of our trust in God in, 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 in a demonstrative way. And so there's always this struggle. Can I trust God to take care of this or that or something else? But when we really trust God uh, through, through actions and through our tithing, it helps us to trust Him in such a meaningful way as we go forward. Trusting always comes before giving. And that's what makes a cheerful giver. When you trust, you know, it, it helps you to give. I believe, you know, that uh, if I, you know, when, when my dad uh, was alive, I believe that if I had given $10 that I had in my pocket in the offering plate and dad learned about it, that I would get a fresh allowance next week, right? I could trust him. He's going to take care of that. And, and dad loved to watch us give. He taught us. And listen, for young people that are here, um, if you learn about uh, tithing, it's going to help you in math. Uh, ma most of math is about percentages. So if you, if you learn what 10% of whatever is, then it's going to help you increasingly. So learn it. Learn it early and begin to practice it. Trusting comes before giving. And so the question then comes like, who are we trusting in? Are you trusting in you? Who are you trusting your life with? You trust you, or you, you're basing it on your skill sets, your abilities, uh, your, uh, you know, you've always, man, I, could, I, could, I can always, man, I, I had a business and it failed, but, you know, I can start a business again. Are you trusting in you? Do you believe in you? Do you think you can bring it to pass? You can make it happen. Are you trusting in a career? Man, I landed this job. I'm climbing that career ladder. And one of these days, I'm going to be in that chair over there. Well, Michelle can tell you, because uh, she just has worked for two companies that closed their doors. They were multi-billion dollar companies that closed their doors. So the promise of reaching that chair may not ever be realized. Are you trusting in your spouse? Yeah, you know, they make a good living. They get a good check. They got a good career. Lawyer banker, whatever, you know, trust in my spouse. They're, they're going to see us through. Are you trusting in the economy? Hello? <laughs> I, was, I was with uh, one of my best friends during the uh, early 1980s, and uh, he had bought his dream car, man. It was, uh, it was a beautiful Camaro and a brand new one. And uh, things got uh, very bad uh, out of uh, Jimmy Carter's uh, crashing economy. Um, the, we were just going down as a nation. Jobs were being lost. All kinds of horrible season uh, for humanity in that late 70s, uh, early 1980s. And unfortunately, my friend had decided to buy his dream car at that point. Um, and so we are, he lost his job, the, he worked for a, a mine uh, the, there in, in a small town that we had, we had lived in, in a mining town, a copper mine, and uh, he had lost his job, paid a lot of money, and so uh, now, you know, he's down in Phoenix with me, we're, we're looking for, for jobs and trying to get work, and um, we're trying to get rid of this car, we're, we're trying to give it away. <laughs> Uh, we go to dealership after dealership after dealership after dealership, 
what a horrible economy. We had uh, we applied for, you know, I think I applied personally for 56 jobs before I got the job that I got. Uh, I don't know how many he had applied for. It was, it was incredible amounts of places we'd knocked on doors to try to get a job. It was a very, very bad economy. I've seen it happen. It can happen again. Are you trusting the economy? Are you putting your trust in the goodness of humanity? You know, if I fall on hard times, then humanity will be good to me. Somebody will come through. Somebody will take care of me. You know, I'm going to go close to where Kristen lives because she, she believes in helping humanity. Are you trusting the goodness of humanity? Uh, how about the lottery? Is there, you have a kind of lottery mindset, you know, at some point, you know, uh, uncle so-and-so is going to pass away and he's leaving behind a lot of stuff and, you know, or aunt so-and-so or this or that or something else. It's a lottery mentality. This may happen and if it happens, it's going to settle all the difficulties of my life. It's going to take care of all the problems. You know, all my eggs are in this basket. It's all going to be fine uh, when the lottery hits, right? When all the numbers come up. How about uh, your, your investments? Are you trusting your investments? I've, I've done, uh, you know, I've been involved in investments. All of you guys probably have, and you've seen this thing, and a lot of times it seems like it just goes more like that than it does like this, right? And uh, are you trusting in your investments? Who are you putting your trust in? Who are you believing that will take care of you? Tithing is about declaring that God alone is worthy of our trust, and He alone is going to take care of us. I want to tell you something about debt. Debt is some of the baggage that comes with trusting something or someone other than God. Debt is some of the baggage that comes with trusting something or someone other than God. In 2004, people all over the nation and all over the world were investing in uh, real estate and uh, they were buying it like crazy. It was just hot potatoes, you know, everywhere. But especially in two places that Michelle and I were very familiar with, in Las Vegas, where we were living at the time, and in Phoenix, where we had spent a number of years living, there was a lot of real estate being sold. And so we had eyes on, you know, uh, to watch all of this. And in 2008, um, the markets crashed and the nation crashed. And thankfully, we lived in Texas. Praise God! <laughs> Um, but it was really awful and a lot of horrible things. And we had, you know, a, a, a bird's eye view of all of this. We were driving down the roads uh, to these uh, brand new communities in Las Vegas. And uh, there would be hundreds of homes that had this sign in front of them. And this is what it looked like. It was awful. They were brand new homes and uh, they were, uh, you know, just all in foreclosure. And many of them, uh, as, they, as they stood longer and longer, were being vandalized and things were being taken out of them. And it was just, just a horrible, horrible thing to watch. Numbers of people homeless as a result of this, but many, um, you know, were, uh, you know, just out in the cold or, or moving in with family members and, and at their mercy it, it, because of what was going on. We knew a number of people that had decided to become overnight investors in real estate and had poured their life's savings into real estate and lost it all. We watched things like this. People buy half million dollar homes that in 2008 were selling for less than $250,000 half million dollar homes that sold for less than $250,000. Let's 
Psalm 20 and 7 says that there are some people that trust in chariots. Some will trust in horses. He's talking about the great armies. They put their trust in their armies. They put their trust in, um, you know, the chariots, the number of chariots that they had, the number of soldiers that were going to man those chariots, horses that were going to take those chariots into battle. But it says, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Tithing is really all about us trusting in the only one who is worthy of our trust. Do you know what verse precedes the one I'm going to show you right here? The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the servant to the lender. This is a passage that everybody should memorize and put to memory and uh, put up on your um, refrigerator, uh, put it right around your checkbook somewhere. <laughs> this is a very important verse, but the one just before it might astound you. What do you think verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 22 says? Does, there might be somebody in the room who knows. Does somebody know what it says? Don't peek ahead. Who knows what it says? No, that's, uh, that's a good one too. But the verse just before that is, is hanging in many of your houses. Do you want to see it? Here it is. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So many people love that verse. They're so excited about training our kids up to know God, and they're going to know. But the, ne the very next verse is the one that, is, is the beginning of the training, right? He says, first train them that the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the servant to the lender. It's a first good lesson to teach your kids so that they don't wind up in debt, in the prison of debt. If they're indebted to anyone, let them be indebted to God in, the, in, in all the mercies and the grace that He has poured out upon our lives. Let them not be indebted and enslaved to debt that they have accumulated on their own. Trust God with everything. God alone is worthy of our trust. And so the 10-10-80 plan puts our faith into practice in, in the area of our finances. Giving God the first 10% is practicing putting God first. I know a lot of Christians that talk about God being first in their lives. But there are not very many ways that they are demonstrating that and showing that God is actually first in their life. This is a key way where we are showing and demonstrating. It's a way that God's allowed us to demonstrate that He is first. He's number one in our life. Trust leads the way in giving. What I receive is a gift from God, and God has a limitless supply. And so if I were to give away to God 10%, of my income, he's, he's got a limitless supply. He can provide and he can take care of any, uh, any shortfalls that may happen in my household and always has and always will. And what a blessing to be able to give to God and to trust him. I can trust him. I give in a way that demonstrates that I, that I love him and I trust him first and most for my life. 
I trust him more than I trust me. I trust him more than I trust the economy. I trust him more than I trust my career. I trust him more than I trust uh, my spouse's job and, and uh, all other things that we may one time or another put our trust in. I trust him more than I, I trust the real estate that I actually own, you know, because I have watched the scary thing that happened in 2008 and I have learned that even though I bought it for a really good deal, it can sometimes go below that really good deal and sell. And it's frightening. We held the hands of friends and people that we love dearly who were selling their home and still had a huge debt on that home to carry through the rest of their life. I can trust him and him alone. I want to invite our worship team to come. God is our provider. He's, he's always been so faithful. And he's taken care of every need. Even the needs at times that we were not keenly focused on or aware of. I read a story from a pastor, a minister, just a couple of days ago. They were sharing that um, real time, this just happened a few weeks ago for them. They were really struggling financially. Pastor a small church in the Mideast. And... Um, they were um, out of groceries. And, and so the wife asked the husband, how much money do you have? And he was like, I got $5, but I need to probably put that in gas in the car, you know? And uh, she said, well, let's, let's pray. Let's talk to God because we belong to him. And, you know, we've been faithful and, and, and God takes care of us. And so they began to pray and they felt that God prompted them to make a grocery list, which sounds absolutely insane, right? I mean, so they made this huge grocery list, you know. That was $150 worth of groceries, probably, you know, more than likely. Uh, all the things that were on this list that were needed in this household. Take care of their three children. And so they, they, then they felt prompted by God to get in the car and to drive to the nearest city from where they were. It was about a 20-mile drive from where they were to the city. She said, we're going we're gonna to take this thing all the way, man. We're going to trust God. And she said, let's both get grocery carts, and we're going throughout. Uh, we're going to get all the stuff. And she said they had, they had marked a place about, you know, 15 feet or so from the checkout that if we get to that place and, and some miracle hasn't happened and we still don't have any money for groceries, then we'll go put all the groceries back. And, uh, you know, we're just going to thank God anyway and trust him. And in the course of uh, being in the grocery store, um, they ran across another minister and had an encounter uh, with him, brief, because he was shopping and trying to get outside and just high and, oh, so good to see you kind of thing. And um, so when they got all these groceries in the cart and they had pushed it, you know, almost to the point, they were probably about five feet from the, the point that they were supposed to go, this minister had been out to his car, came all the way back in, and he says, I don't want to embarrass you guys, but he said, God won't let me leave. He told me to pay for your groceries. And he said, can I do that? Can I please bless you and pay for your groceries today? And they were so grateful, and he wrote out a check and paid for their groceries, and they took them out to the car and, of course, went home and fed the family and took care of them. God is always faithful. I trust him. 
And I hope that what we take out of this series is that God can be trusted and we are all going to trust him. I want to ask you to stand with me as we sing this worship song together and then I want to come back and lead you in prayer.